Hello, everybody. Jace here. Quick message before we get to the main episode. Uh, you know, I try not to get too political on the show. Maybe if that's something that really interests the guest, we might get into a little bit of politics, but mostly we're here to just celebrate comics. But uh, I can't ignore what's going on in the world, specifically the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. So uh, on our Twitter, pinned as the tweet, is a link to UNICEF which is an organization that focuses on uh, areas of the world where there is a lot of strife, war going on. Specifically, they try to provide clean water, medical care, and other uh, essential needs specifically for children and families. So regardless of which side of the fence you're on, whether or not you believe that one side or the other is right or wrong, uh, we can all agree that children and their families shouldn't be suffering for the choices that their leaders are making. So please, if you have a few dollars, uh, every little bit helps. You can go to unicef.org, that's U-N-I-C-E-F dot O-R-G, and just look for the Ukraine appeal. Click there, or you can go to the Comic Source Twitter account, and the link is there for you to donate. So uh, again, appreciate the support, everybody, and I uh, hope you're all being safe out there. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Comic Source. I'm your host, Jace. This is another creator-owned spotlight. We're going to be talking about a Zoop campaign today. It's called White Ravens, and I have one of the creators joining me, Jamison Alcorn. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks a lot. Yeah, it's great to have you. Uh, so normally, guys, we drop these episodes on the, the first day that they go live, but uh, I've, I've been super busy traveling and whatnot, so we're doing this one a, a little late, but at the same time, we can tell you how it's doing already uh, a goal of 6,000 and it's only been live for a couple of days. And Jameson, you've already raised uh, $3,717. So it seems like the campaign is going well. Yeah. It's had a really strong first day. Uh, we're only in the third day, so I'm still pretty optimistic, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really encouraged by it so far. Yeah. So for uh, anyone who's not familiar, hasn't had a chance to go over to Zoop and check it out. Uh, give us the elevator pitch. What's the book about? Uh, yeah, so the uh, the shortest version of the of the book is basically how um, it's the story about how a a leader of a of a rebel group uh, came to become the leader of that rebel group. It's a it's a medieval fantasy setting, very much Dungeons and Dragons style, um, and it kind of tells the origin story of of this. Um, organization called the white ravens and it's uh, eventual leader and how she she found them joined them and it ended up leading them yeah what made you go with a, a female protagonist for the uh for the main character uh well so one of the interesting things about this show is that actually a, a lot of this is um from a pre-established setting essentially we're using uh the the world of a a uh, pretty popular D&D podcast called Dungeons and Randomness, uh, which has got about 10 years of, of um, canon history at this point. Um, so I, I know the the people who run that podcast very well, and we talked about this project and uh, basically pitched to them, like, if we were going to make a comic set in this world, what would be the one that you would choose? 
uh, and they they picked this one out immediately. Uh, the reason they chose this character is because she's got an origin with the uh, the very early uh, part of the show. She becomes a very uh, major player in the in the history of the show and um, and changes a lot of world events. So she's pretty much your typical humble beginnings into um, into um, very effective and and powerful personality by the end. So is it fair to say that this is a companion piece to uh, what the podcast has done? I mean, imagine if it's been going on that long, they've told any number of stories by now. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, um, it definitely is. Uh, part of what we wanted to do was have it be for anybody who's a fan of that show to, to you know, see this comic and, and want to see this part of the story explained because the origin of this group has never actually been explained throughout the history of the show. Um, but it's also very like I, I'm very cognizant while working on this of making it so that somebody could come into it fresh who's never heard the show or, or you know or isn't as familiar with it so uh, a companion piece yes but also can stand on its own two legs gotcha so there will be uh, familiar settings perhaps some familiar names to people who have watched or listened rather to the podcast but mm -hmm. uh you're not pulling you know th this isn't redundant for anyone who's a fan of the podcast yeah, it's all new territory. There's just some familiar characters, uh, uh, but uh, they're all introduced new to a new audience. And, you know, uh, their full context is explored in the story, for sure. Gotcha. Well, being that uh, it's a companion piece, kind of borrowing from that, um, did it make the world building easier or was it <laughs> harder because they'd already established some things? Obviously, you didn't want to contradict. Talk to us about developing the, the world. Yeah, a little bit of both. Um, there's definitely some things that that I had to run by, um, you know, the show just to be like, hey, so I was thinking about this. Does that conflict with anything? That's kind of the main question. Like, if this doesn't conflict with anything, great. If it does, then we can talk about it and find a middle ground. There is actually very little of that. Um, I can't. I'm struggling to think of an example right now that would uh, that would make sense to explain, but. Um, I, I have a pretty good familiarity with that show myself too. So I kind of had a sense of what to, what to, what I could expand on and what was pretty much set in stone already. So I, I would say b based on that, it made it easier. If I had had less familiar with the sh familiarity with the show, I probably would have made things a little bit harder. So. Right. So the tone is it, uh, you, you know, you mentioned medieval uh, fantasy, which, you know, again, that's right in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons, but mm -hmm. here's one of the things that I find when people compare things, Oh, it's like Dungeons and Dragons. Well, you know, it completely depends on kind of your playing group because some people take it way more serious. It could go mm -hmm. darker. It could be more humorous. It can just be kind of fun loving. And so uh, I, does uh, does White Ravens lean, you know, more toward the humor, more toward the dark, more toward the serious? What, what kind of tone were you going for? Uh, so the tone that the show strikes and I tried to match what is very much, I hate to use the term grim and gritty because I think it gets overused, mm -hmm. uh, but it's very much um, actions have consequences. Like it's, it's, it's medieval fantasy, but it's grounded in reality in the sense that there's, there's an effect to whatever these characters are doing. And it very much, you know, if they make an, a, a poor choice, it will come back to, to haunt them. Right. Like it's not, uh, it doesn't really hand wave that type of stuff away like a lot of medieval fantasy or, or Dungeons and Dragons stuff does, which is obviously totally fine, but that's a different tone. This one is very much a tone of, um, uh, you know, long memories, long history, consequences uh, for actions and things like that. Yeah, a lot of times the ones that lean toward humor, and again, nothing wrong with that, but the, mm -hmm. sta the stakes aren't as high. 
you know, you can make a mistake and it's played for comedic effect rather than, oh, we're in the shit now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm not a believer in anything being 100 percent serious, too. Uh, I think that a couple of laughs um, can make the serious stuff more effective and vice versa. Um, but, yeah, I would say more than. Uh, your average fantasy setting, it probably would lean a little bit on the more serious. Um, I, I hate to say, I, I don't want to call it darker, so we'll go with serious. <laughs> yeah, fa fa fair enough, fair enough. Uh, beyond the, the main character here, um, uh, Brianna, is it more of an ensemble in addition to her, or are there other characters you consider main characters, supporting cast? How, how is it structured? Yeah, there's definitely, there's a primary cast of, uh, Brianna would be considered the protagonist, I would say, for mm -hmm. sure, but there's a, a, an ensemble. The two other major characters are called Trius and Liara, uh, and they're the people who are sort of running things when when she first joins up, and um, so they kind of are the ones who, who take her in and show her the ropes, um, and are the ones to kind of give her uh, give her a chance. So they're major players, at least for the um, the first probably two thirds of the story until she really finds her own. Um, and there's a, there's a pretty solid cast of other characters as well, obviously, but um, the, the white Ravens itself is a pretty um, expansive organization, both in this book and the show it originates from. So I wanted to give it that feeling in the story, you know, uh, of the three kind of main characters, uh, any that you struggled to find a, a voice for, or did, did you find that it clicked right away? Um. Not of those three. There are other supporting characters uh, who I won't get into now because they actually don't show uh, <laughs> appear in this first issue. But there are other supporting characters who are who are um, completely original to the book that took a little bit longer to find their voice. Um, Brianna, uh, Trius, and Liara are all originated from the show, so they did have that voice to kind of mm -hmm. to start with. Um, and it took a little bit of of massaging to get the tone to be consistent with um, with what they originate from, but. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it, I think it came together pretty well. And the relationship between the three is probably the trickier part, right? Just bouncing those characters off of each other. Yeah. You always, uh, and I've talked to writers about this just recently, actually, the, the challenge of not making them sound all the same and not having them all have the voice of the writer, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, only one of them is going to use this phrase. Cause that's a phrase I like to use. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's always, yeah, always a, a balance. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about your, uh, your artists on, uh, on the book. Cause I know you, you have a main artist, but then uh, if you hit some of the stretch goals, which, you know, based on this early success, hopefully you'll get there. You, you may be bringing on some, some others, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. So uh, Raphael actually uh, is is this project is the first time he and I have worked together. Um, he signed on very enthusiastically when I was kind of um, hunting around for somebody. And uh, and when I told him about the book and showed him some of the art that we had already um, done for it, um, he uh, he just started sending me sketches left and right. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like to see that kind of uh, that kind of energy. So um when we decided, we decided to do six pages of preview um, before we launched the campaign, just to kind of give people that a complete first scene and kind of an idea for the tone of the book. Um, and and he went right to work, and and every one of his pages is absolutely um, 
exactly what I was looking for. Like he reads the scripts very well and, and um, comes to me with questions and communication is a big part of, of working with a team like this. So uh, I really like working with an artist who, if they have questions, asks them rather than just take a shot mm -hmm. and, uh, and, you know, potentially have to have to redo work or anything like that. Yeah, and then, uh, like I said, a couple of other artists, if you hit some stretch goals, you want to mention uh, mention those guys as well? Yeah, so we have um, we have a couple of other pencilers who are going to help out with this book. Um, one of them be, uh, being uh, Rock Alvarez or um, Ricardo Alvarez. He, uh, he and I have worked together on a couple projects as well. My first comic project was an anthology series. Uh, where uh, we actually first worked with him. He submitted to it for the anthology and he was absolute pleasure to work with. So I've called him in for a lot of other stuff since then. Uh, the best part about making an anthology is, is you fill up your Rolodex with really talented people. Um, so uh, he's, he's worked with me on a couple of things by now. He's very fast, he's very accurate. And again, he's a good communicator. Um, we have another uh, artist who's helping out mostly with character designs. His name is Roman. He did the Roman, uh, the um, the designs for Brianna and um, and Trius and Liar, the, the main three already. Um, he is he he's a fantastic designer, and again, I've worked with him on a handful of, of things by now. Um, and he's he's unable to commit to doing a lot of sequential work, but he's helping us with designs, which which I think he's fantastic at. Um, and then for stretch goals, we have a couple of other, of other artists, um, one of which is an old associate of mine who goes by the name of, uh, of Crowbar. And they're more of like a digital painter um, type artist. They do a lot of illustrative work. Um, I know they've done uh, trading card games or tabletop games and all that kind of uh, stuff as well. But they do their own D&D-based um, comic that they've printed and uh, big D, D fan as well which is always easy to get somebody enthused about the project like this if it you know if they have that shared interest yeah i mean if there's one thing that we can say about dungeons and dragons players is it's it's very much a community and that's sort mm -hmm. of what zoop is trying to uh, establish as well so i imagine a lot of this early success comes from the the community that's already built up around dungeons and, and ramness would you say that's true yeah i think so i've been directly involved with the the community of that show for probably five or six years now. So um, I have a pretty good relationship, not only with the people who run the show, but with the rest of the cast and, uh, and with the listeners and fan base and things. Um, and I've, I've helped the show produce a lot of other works. There's a, a book behind me, oh, it's over there, <laughs> of, a, of a tabletop book that I've produced together with the show as well. So um, the, the listenership is very enthusiastic and very supportive of anything they do or anything adjacent to it because that support has extended uh, to this project, which I'm very happy to see, you know. Yeah, being that it's uh, so closely re related to the show, um, any uh, any plans to do a, a campaign that's is specific to this book or uh, a module or anything like that? Uh, yeah, there's actually exactly that. Um, one of the rewards for this um, book is a seat at the table with the DM from the show to do a one shot and run through a module based off of this story. So, uh, so there is directly that. <laughs> wow. Cool. Uh, yeah, it, it'll be cool. I mean, he's a fantastic DM, obviously, because he's one of the few professional dungeon masters I've ever met. But uh, the um, what I would like to eventually do would be to eventually either release or publish that module as well. We haven't really mm -hmm. talked too much in depth about uh, plans for that, but um, we've done similar things before. So I don't think it would be too far cry to, uh, to get it out there for people once this is all over. Great. Well, what, what are some of the other uh, tiers that are available? 
So one of them filled up already. So I hesitate to talk about it, but just briefly. Um, so we're offering basically cameo spots in the book uh, for people to help work with us to create their own character who would be a part of this rebel faction. And they'll be peppered in the background in a handful of scenes. And essentially, um, because this is an established world that has 10 years worth of canon, um, this this writes their character into the established history of wow that's cool yeah it, it's it is really that's it filled up fast <laughs> yeah so um you know because the, the books that we produce um include characters from all around like brand new characters characters from the show and also mm -hmm. characters from from the books um, mm -hmm. will be in the next setting book that we put together i think so um they'll show up they might show up on the show at some point you know as npcs or whatever the case may be so um that's I wish we had more space for for more of that type of thing, because I really like doing that um, kind of letting people see their own character right. show up in a way that matters. Um, most of the rest of what we have is is variations of the book. We have, um, you know, the regular version of the book. We have a variant cover of the book, which is um, sort of a late edition, really beautiful um, cover that we have uh, with a new artist uh, that I just met a, a few weeks ago. <laughs> um, and then we have, um, you know, a poster. Uh, that we made based on that variant art. Um, and I wasn't going to do it, but people, as soon as they released the variant cover, asked me to. So we said, all right, we'll make, we'll make it a poster too. Um, and then a little bit of the back catalog from some of the other stuff I've worked on. My first anthology, which I mentioned, which was called the Pub Crawl Anthology, uh, which is just a series of stories set in a bar. And that's the only connective tissue between them is they were all set in a bar. Um, and then a module book, um, which was a companion piece to the last setting book we made was a book of modules that were written by Kickstarter backers that we produced and printed um, is going to be included as a, as a bonus um, book as well. So. Yeah. And I see you also have, uh, if there's any retailers out there listening, there's a, there's a retail uh, wholesale um, tier as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The retail tier is, uh, is pretty straightforward. It's just six copies of the book at a discounted rate. Uh, if there are any retailers listening, um, but I'd be happy to talk about other versions of that as well, because there's definitely some flexibility there. So, yeah, and you uh, you mentioned uh, you know that one tier that's so cool that filled up really quickly, uh, but th this isn't just a one shot, right? I mean, there you're going to continue the the story, right? So, chance to maybe mm -hmm. do another campaign with with more of those slots. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this story is, um, this is the first issue of what will be a four issue story, if we can continue to get support for it like this. So in each issue, there will probably be room to add a couple more of those type of slots, um, you know, without, uh, without overfilling it too much with just mm -hmm. a, a row of <laughs> <Right>. characters <laughs> in the background. Um, but yeah, I'd like to fit in as many of those as I can, because like I said, I like to do it and people get excited for it. Um, and it's cool to see. So um, wherever I can find space for it, where it makes sense in future issues, we'll, we'll add some more of that as well. Cool. Uh, well, you mentioned uh, just a, a couple of minutes ago, and it's uh, also in the uh, in the trailer video that, every, that you watch everybody on uh, on the Zoop.gg uh, website uh, about the the setting book that you've done uh, previously for this world. Mm -hmm. um, so being that you did that was a lot of the heavy lifting for the world building, because obviously, you know, podcast is something uh, audio as opposed to, to visual. So there's still going to be some world building, some development but you kind of had a head start on that being that you had done that, um, that setting book previously, or did that not really work because this was more of a, you know, not static image, but, but kind of, you know, sequential story. Um, yes. 
Yes and no. So <laughs> the, uh, the all three different mediums do use do different types of world building, right? Like the mm-hmm. podcast, obviously, everything grows out organically as the story expands and as as um, as you get to new areas throughout the course of of the show or the game or however you want to frame it. Um, the setting book is it was the the first one we produced was the first thing ever like that that I've ever helped uh, produce and it's very interesting because you're presenting a fictional world in a non-fictional way you're you're writing about it as if it's you're presenting information you're not telling a story you're being Mm -hmm. like this is where this is this is who runs it this is why it is the way it is you know you're presenting it as if it's like a as if it's a history book or a geography book um so that put a lot of things into place uh, but this story takes place in the past from what that setting book. Um, oh, gotcha. Uh, so it's about about 15 to 17 years before anything that's in the book that we've put together. Uh, but the settings are familiar. There are places that are referenced in this referenced in the setting book that you'll see in further detail in the comic uh, and vice versa. So they all, it all kind of builds on itself. And I like doing that. I've, I mean, I imagine it's a lot like what you would do if you were going to do licensed work for a, a property like Transformers, right? Like a lot of that's already there. Mm-hmm. There's this little unexplored corner that you can go into and, and expand on, you know? Yeah, that kind of brings me to my to my next question. You know, you talk about this being uh, the, the beginning of, of Brianna's story, mm-hmm. uh, being that the podcast has been going on so long and people you know, sort of see the path the story has taken. Was it a challenge to find places to put in things that are surprises for, for readers, especially for somebody who's a big fan of the podcast? Yeah. It's always one of those, it's this, it's the challenge of a prequel, right? Because you know, the main character is more or less going to make it because they're, they're in stuff that happens canonically later. So uh, in that case, the, the tension has to come from elsewhere. Mm Mm-hmm. Like if we know that she's fine, at least physically, um, then then what else can the reader care about that we could potentially lose throughout the course of this story? Um, and um, I won't say what that is because it'll, it'll give things away. Right. But basically, I, what I want, what I would like to have happen, I would like to have the reader come to care about the things that Brianna cares about throughout the course of the story, and then the risk of losing those things is is you know where the danger is. Right. Yeah. I mean, just because, you know, you know, the end of the story doesn't mean that the journey to get there can be, you know, like uh, I always use the example of Titanic, right? Like, you know, the boat sinks. (laughs) It doesn't doesn't mean you can't have a great story, you know, in that setting. And, you know, we all know how it ends, but yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the big thing at the end. We know how we got there, but the journey is the more important part. It is the funner part anyway. So, right. Right. Uh, well, uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to remind everybody, uh, as I always do with these crowdfunding, uh, crowdfunded projects, that even if this project is not for you, even if it's the perfect project for you, but you just don't have the means to join the campaign right now, the best thing you can do to help out Jameson and his collaborators is to share it on social media. Let's get the word out. Tell your friends about it. If you know anybody who plays Dungeons and Dragons or uh, any role-playing type games, that this might be something they'd be interested in. That really helps out because... There's nothing worse than finding out about a crowdfunding campaign, you know, a couple of weeks after it's over and you would have, have loved to have, have joined. So uh, be sure and, and tell everybody, let's spread the word, uh, because although it's going well now, <laughs> you never know what uh, what might happen. Plus, uh, as Jameson mentioned, there are some stretch goals. It'd be great to hit some of those. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm very grateful to anybody, even if you can't support it yourself, if you do share it, uh, that is huge, obviously, for the for the success of the project. The more people see it, the more people there are to be uh, interested in it and, uh, and hopefully uh, help it out and get a copy of the book. Yeah, no, uh, the, on the past projects you've done, James, said, uh, were they all uh, self-published crowdfunded or is this uh, is this the first time you're going this route? So this is the first thing that I've done with uh, with Zoop. Uh, this this project specifically, actually, we ran it on Kickstarter a little over a year ago, and it, and it fell short. We tried to do the entire four four uh, mm. issues in one gotcha. go. Uh, we had a pretty lofty uh, target. I think it was somewhere around twenty seven thousand dollars because um, I'm trying to pay my our creative team a um, a decent page rate. But the right. problem is, is that drives the price way up. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we fell short on that, uh, and we decided to move it over. Um, to to the zoop uh, platform and break it into issue format instead uh but previous uh previous projects um have all been you know um i mean one that i kickstarter that i've run myself which was for the pub crawl anthology and then just helping out um dungeons and randomness with um with those setting books and and that but they ran they ran most of the crowdfunding work on those ones so yeah the reason i was asking is because i was i was curious about choosing zoop i mean uh obviously mm-hmm. i've i've had plenty of creators who've gone the zoop route and they all uh praise the platform just because it it takes the logistics out of the hand of creators so you guys just have time to create and you're not answering emails or worried about getting things shipped out uh you can just concentrate on what you do best it is a bit of a relief yeah uh i like so initially actually they they reached out to me um i th- somewhere around October, I think of last year, I wasn't in a position to do it then, but we, um, we just started talking about it a few months ago again. And, uh, uh, it's been a great experience talking with, um, with, uh, the guys at soup and kind of answering questions and, and planning it out, which is not something you really get with Kickstarter, right? Kickstarter, you, you, you build the campaign, you submit it to them. They say yes or no. And then you're on your own for the rest right. of it, which is fine. You know, if that's what you need, or, or if you don't want the extra, um, uh, attention for it but um it is nice to have uh have their assistance uh looking over things like um budget and fulfillment and uh, promotion you know all that sort of thing so it's you know i don't have any complaints definitely yeah beyond the logistical challenge um being that this has been something you've been working on for so long any anything that's come along that's been a, a particular challenge i mean obviously some a little bit of disappointment with it not uh funding the first time but what have been some of the challenges of, of putting it together? Um, it has been a challenge just because the last two years have been a challenge, I think. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> uh, without getting too much into that, everybody knows what I mean by that, but the last two years have made it difficult for, for, um, for anybody to, to focus, I think on, uh, on what they really want to do sometimes. Um, but we've been lucky in that we've been able to pull through and the creative team and I, um, have mostly worked together before on other things. So we all have a certain level of trust in each other. Um, and it, it, there was a, a bit of a challenge after it failed the first time, like you said, like to, deciding whether or not to go ahead with it again. Um, but I was just kind of sitting around and I was looking through it one day and it just felt like a shame to let it go, you know, mm-hmm. to, to not try again. So um, that was, that was the hardest thing I think is dealing with the failure of the first attempt and, and deciding that it was worth attempting again, you know? Well, uh, you're off to a great start. Best of luck with the campaign. Uh, as we're winding up here, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? 
Uh, no, I mean, again, I just just huge gratitude, uh, you know, to to any listeners uh, who who want to take a minute to look at the campaign. Anybody who's already backed it, uh, to yourself for having me on, and to the guys at Zoop for all the help that they've given. You know, I'm just I'm very happy to be seeing this as, uh, show as much success as it has so far. So I'm just uh, feeling pretty grateful for all of it. Yeah, uh, it's definitely worth taking a look. It won't take anything but just a few seconds for you to click on the link in the show notes, go and check it out, or just type zoop.gg in your browser uh, or Google zoop.gg and you can uh, check it out. The White Ravens, the art's fantastic. The, the colors are nice and bright. And uh, again, anybody who's a Dungeons and Dragons fan, remember that old Saturday morning cartoon that we all loved? Uh, this is going to be <laughs> right up your alley. So uh, again, Jameson, I uh, really appreciate the time. Remember everybody, there's a link in the show notes to the campaign. Uh, is there any White Ravens or social media presence for yourself? Uh, Jameson, where people should go and look for uh, any news about the campaign. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, on Instagram and uh, and Twitter is where I'm most active. That would be just at uh, Bad Neighbor CMX. Uh, and then actually, you could also just do uh, badneighborcomics.com. And that would take you to all my social media and any updates as well. So either one of those would be just fine. Great. And I'll put links to Jameson's social media in the show notes as well, everybody. So uh, again, Jameson, thanks so much. Best of luck with the campaign. To all you listeners, we appreciate you joining us as always, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks a lot. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.